you stay disciplined in your fundamentals of why you buy property, what you're looking for when you buy that property, and also what your plan is for exit, having multiple exits versus one or two exits. Staying disciplined in that usually creates longevity for the experienced investor. Real quick, before the episode, I want to give you a gift of 25% off, and that gift actually is from TransUnion Smart Move. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. Because as landlords, we tend to be most concerned with getting paid on time. You might also know that hundreds of thousands of landlords have to deal with the headaches of evicting tenants each year. Evicting a tenant can be painful, costing as much as $10,000 in court costs and legal fees, and take as long as four weeks to complete. What if there's a trusted way to help prevent the headaches of dealing with evicting a tenant? Make the smart move right from the start. Smart Move's online tenant screening solution can help you quickly understand if you're getting a reliable tenant, which will help you avoid potential problems such as non-payment and evictions. For a limited time, listeners of this podcast are invited to try Smart Move tenant screening for 25% off. Here's how Smart Move can help you find your next great tenant. Make a more informed decision with Smart Move's proprietary credit score built specifically for tenant screening, which predicts evictions 15% better than a typical credit score. Reduce non-payment risk with Smart Move's Income Insights Report, which enables you to analyze the applicant's income within minutes and determine if additional income verification is needed. Get critical information quickly with a full credit report, criminal background, and eviction history report. With over 5 million screenings completed, SmartMove can help you make a better leasing decision for your rental property. If you own a rental property, SmartMove can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion SmartMove, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Yusuf Alexander. How you doing, Yusuf? Hey, Joe. I'm doing great. Well, I'm glad to hear that and looking forward to our conversation a little bit about Yusuf. He's the co-founder, vice president, and business development officer at Real Estate Asset Partners. He has over 20 years experience repositioning commercial and residential properties based in Los Angeles, California. So with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Background, I'm an old guy, started in the mid to late 90s, buying and selling homes in the blighted areas of Los Angeles and went through both economic swings in the mid 90s and 2000s. I bought and sold high-end and small, distressed properties from Bel Air to Compton and everywhere in between. So what I did was I created a resource of investors. From that activity, I moved to multifamily, and now my focus is multifamily assets in the Southeast, North Carolina, and mainly Georgia. Okay, got it. So you are buying apartment communities in the Southeast? Yes, and what have you bought recently? 172 unit building in Northwest Atlanta. It's just an emerging area. Well, it's not emerging anymore. It's just an established area. And it's in a, not a renaissance, but the working class population there has now become the upper middle class. Okay. How long ago did you close on it? Probably seven, eight months now. Okay. Belated congratulations on the close. Let's talk about some specifics of the deal. What was the purchase price? 
put two million down, purchase for eight million. Okay, and what's the business plan? Business plan is to actually a tiered approach. I want to keep some of the population in the surrounding areas there. So I'm going to do a tiered approach by having a light rehab, and then I'm going to have a very, very high-end rehab. So I'm going to offer apartment homes pretty much, luxury apartment homes. And I'm going to reposition it for low 20s as far as the price, 20 billion or so, refinance it, and get on to the next project. Okay. So you're doing a light rehab, and then you're also doing a high-end rehab. What percent of the 172 units are light rehab? Light rehab, probably 5 to 10%. Okay. And then the high-end rehab, the rest? Yes. Okay. And how do you determine that percent breakdown? Well, the building was owned with a previous partnership. So I have a lot of historical experience with that area and with the occupants. So studying the activity and knowing what the population is and how the pulse of the market as far as the population in the area is, I've determined that I want to keep some of the, I don't want to say lower, I just want to keep some of the lower price points available for some mm-hmm. of my occupants. And will you repeat the partnership thing so I'm understanding it correctly? I was a smaller partnership, meaning a 12% partnership. Now I'm a 100% owner with my new partner now. We're 50-50 partners. Okay. So you had 12% ownership of the property and then you and another partner bought out all those other partners? Yes. On a purchase. Okay. On a purchase. So now you and the other partner are the ones who own this building together. And is that 50-50 or another breakdown? Mm-hmm. In that structure, who brings what to the transaction? Well, we bring 50% of the equity, we bring 50% of the partnership, and we split it down the middle. I mean, our experience. Everything split. Okay. So you both tackle things together and it's all 50% of the money, 50% of asset management. It's all split down the middle. Yes. I mean, if you know, Joe, with an asset, there's asset management, there's leasing, there's construction, there's design, there's a lot of activity and expertise that needs to happen. And however you align it, if you third party it or if you do it in-house, then there's fees and partnerships that can be split, sponsorships or general partnerships that can be split. But I, I don't know, we can get into that, but it just depends on how you guys take it down, how the group takes it down. Yeah, let's get into a little bit, just in terms of like what you're focused on for the property and then what your partner's focused on to oversee the project. My focus is going to be stabilization. So there's a de-leasing situation that happens because some of the units or most of the units are going to be not going to be occupied while the renovations are happening. So you de-lease it and you have to monitor the de-leasing as that happens, which I'm going to be in charge of. And then once the rehab happens or the business plan is executed, then we're going to make sure we optimize the occupants and the leasing to that new product that's being offered. So it's a pretty hands-on, pretty important. You got to be on top of everything. Mm-hmm. Now, and then there's the construction management. The construction management has to do with the design, the execution of the CFP. We're doing $3 million of rehab, you know, it's a certain amount of door, and that has a whole process to it as well. Mm-hmm. With being on top of everything, what are some specific examples that if a best ever listener is undertaking a project like this and they hear that they've got to be on top of everything, what are some things that you'd want to tell them, hey, you really got to pay attention to this stuff? Well, if I just talk specifically about leasing, Mm-hmm. You want to be very, very granular about what the market commands, the amount. So if your project 
is let's just use a thousand dollars as a round number. So your stable project is going to offer a thousand dollar rent for two bedrooms. And then next door, they're offering some of the same amenities or more and their price is higher or lower. You need to put an application in next door. You need to drive comparable rents. You need to walk comparable properties and figure out the rental experience of that product that is competitive to yours because you're putting all of your focus and all your resources into delivering a product at a certain price point. And that price point has to prove out over 200 units. And once that price prove out over 200 units and financially, and then your lending and your investors and things like that, all it takes into account. So if I'm talking to someone and saying, be on top of everything, be on top of the rental rates, the products, the comparables in your area. Mm-hmm. And then on the construction management side, when you say design, are you working with a design firm or what are you referring to? With well, that? as far as the construction side, I mean, again, there's some very specific areas that need to happen on that side. But yes, you need an architect. You need a design. This is only dictated by the level of construction that you are undertaking. So if you're making a new leasing center, that might not be that much design heavy. But if you're doing a pool and a, and a bungalow and a landscaped DG area for pets and families, you got to get in there and make sure it's done right. And DG? DG is the dirt or the landscape kind of pathways that are in a lot of hardscapes now. I, I just use it because we use it so much. I think the name of it is disintegrated earth or something like that. It's just okay. a pretty dirt. You, you'll see it. <laughs> I, said that. I like that. Pretty dirt. <laughs> when you go outside and you see those landscape paths, it's like tan dirt is crushed. You see dogs and people walking on them. You're going to be like, oh yeah, Yusef was talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> so with this project, you have a one business partner. Was the other business partner in the deal before this as well? They were in the asset and then the other business partner wanted to move in a different direction with their portfolio. Okay. So there were only three people previously and now there are two. Yes. Cool. How does that work when you're three owners in a deal and one wants out, two want to stay in? What do you do? Well, if you are in a situation and the business owners are all kind of in the industry or in the kind of same ilk of how they conduct business in this space, specifically multifamily, then usually it's just a price. You come up with a price and you pay out an owner. Now, I don't know how many partnerships you've been in, Joe, but people are people. Sometimes there's different seasons of life. There's different issues. Who knows how a partnership would move into an equitable space if someone wanted to move out? I don't really have this. There's an infinite number of, number of examples of that happening. In your case, just had a price. How did you value the price of their ownership? The price of their ownership comes from a price of the asset. So the price of the asset is determined by the agreeable third party, and then that is split from the percentage of the partnership. And then what type of third party do you hire to do that valuation? You can do a broker's opinion of value. You can do an appraisal. You can do kind of a desktop appraisal from a lender. There's a number of ways you can get a third-party valuation for an asset. Which one did you do? A broker's opinion of value and a desktop appraisal. And will you define a desktop appraisal again? A desktop appraisal for me is some type of financial group that loans money and they underwrite deals to make sure they position correctly in the money that they lend. So they do appraisals and valuations. That's kind of what they do. 
and did you all agree prior to getting the broker's opinion and value in the desktop appraisal on who would be doing those? Yeah. Again, if I'm buying units in Georgia, I don't want a broker's opinion of value from a group in Hawaii. Right. So you all identified, here's a broker we're going to get opinion and value from. Here's the lender that we're going to get a desktop appraisal from. And then we're going to average those two and then come up with the valuation? Now, that's a pragmatic way of doing it. It depends. If the numbers are the same or agreeable, then we just kind of use that metric, averaging them out or using the one that's most trusted or maybe even using the higher one if you want to kind of get this done and whatever is agreed upon is in the partnership. And what did you all do? Well, the higher one. You did the higher one. Okay. And I imagine the higher one was the broker's opinion of value. Yes. 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 <laughs> Their motivation is what it is. Right. Right. That's interesting. So that was your most recent purchase. And is that the largest property you have in your portfolio currently? No. What is the largest one? The largest one is a 355 unit in Georgia. In Georgia. Staying in Georgia. Yeah. There's some opportunities there, but there is opportunities in other markets as well. It's just that one came up. When did you buy the 355 unit? This one was purchased maybe five years ago. Okay. Yeah, I'm a, a minority partner in that. Okay. So you're a passive investor in that one? Yes. Okay, cool. Well, it'd be interesting to just to touch on briefly then. So you're an LP in that one. How many deals are you an LP in approximately? Let's say five. Five. Okay. And then how many are you a GP in? Two. Two. So with the 172 unit, you're clearly a general partner. With the 355 unit, you're an LP. What things, if any, did you learn from being an LP in the 355 unit that you applied to the 172 unit? Well, again, I'm a deal junkie (laughs) and I like to get deals done. And sometimes the way to insert myself in a deal to leverage my capital or to leverage my knowledge, my participation is determined by that. So the LP deals, I could have been a general partner, but the sponsorship was already established. Mm-hmm. Who's going to reposition the asset, what the business plan is going to be, and the management of the asset. That was already established. Mm-hmm. The limited partner was available. They were raising, I forget, you know, maybe three, four million dollars they were raising, and then I was able to insert myself and mm-hmm. leverage capital. So mm-hmm. I'm always learning in deals. I'm a deal junkie. Not a deal junkie. I'm a deal junkie and I like to look at deals. But I also like to participate in deals that are in alignment with my business goals and my experience in my career. Okay. So what did you learn from being an LP in that deal, if anything, maybe that you applied to actively managing 172 unit? It's not really a crossover. I'm trying to put both hats on. If I didn't know about the risk factors or the experience and the duration of taking an asset from acquisition to disposition, if I didn't know that as a general partner, would I have invested that as an LP? No, I probably wouldn't. So by being a general partner, it allows me to have comfort in being a limited partner. But weren't you a limited partner before a general partner, right? Or am I missing? No, I bought and assets as a general partner throughout my career. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Because I had current, I, I, current activity I, now, I was just- Current I mean, portfolio. I'm yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, you know, I've done, I mean, we can go back and talk about deals. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Fair enough. With the other property that you're currently a GP on, which one's that? The 172 units. 
Right. One's 172, but I thought you mentioned you're a general partner on two deals. Oh, yeah. That deal, it's actually closing right now. It's, oh, okay. It's being sold and the deal's done well. Investors cross my fingers, be happy with the returns and we'll do some other deals together, but that one's being sold. Nice. Well, congratulations on that. I like when the yeah, eight yeah, dry, when eight dry we'll, we'll high five. Yeah, deal. How many units is that one? That one is 190 units, 193. I think we turned the captured a couple of the units at the 193. Let me just say. Okay. Got it. And where is that? It's in Georgia as well. In Georgia, noticing a trend. And what was the business plan and how long did you own it? Business plan was to buy it, do a, a value add on it, take the asset, actually change the class of the asset. Asset was probably a C asset in a B area. So it was an average asset in a very nice area, a nicer area. And then to change the class with the accommodating amenities to a nicer area, what the area uh, would, um, would want. Got it. Taking a step back, based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Best real estate advice ever is, I guess, would it be to a beginning investor or just? Sure. What well, else? I would tell a beginning investor, surround yourself with the right people and experience. Get out there and have some real estate experience. I mean, I can drill into those if you like. What about a more experienced investor? What's something you would tell them? Be disciplined. Stay disciplined. Because what happens with the experienced investors, which I've, I've known and I've made this mistake as well, the market is very influential. So there's a lot of things happening in the market with interest rates. There's a lot of things happening in the market with the movement of um, activity to different areas. This is a hot area. This is an emerging area. But if you stay disciplined in your fundamentals of why you buy property, what you're looking for when you buy that property, and also what your plan is for exit, having multiple exits versus one or two exits, staying disciplined in that usually creates longevity for the experienced investor. I like it. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? We'll see. Let's do it. <laughs> I think you're ready. First, though, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you own a rental property, TransUnion Smart Move can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high-income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com. All right, Yusuf, best ever book you've recently read. I like The Daily Stoic, Ryan Holiday. Okay. Tim Ferriss talks about that a lot. Yeah, pretty cool. Best ever deal you've done? I was the second investor on a condo conversion. Pretty much quadrupled the returns. Bought in it for a million, sold it for over four million. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Early in my career, 20-some years ago, bought a home next to a gas station. <laughs> that was a mistake. And that's because of the loitering or the environmental issues? You can stack 20 different reasons. <laughs> Looking back, playing 20 years of experience, I never should have bought that. But anyway, I learned a lot. 
did I get the two big ones, loitering and environmental issues, or is there something else? Yes, loitering, environmental issues, smell, noise. Usually the lighting on a commercial gas station has these lights that I found out. They're like baseball stadium lights. <laughs> So no matter what time of night it is, you have these – anyway, it was a mistake. <laughs> Note to self, never buy a property to live in next to a gas station too. <laughs> Best ever way you like to give back to the community? I'm a literacy advocate, so I like to give back through championing literacy projects, childhood literacy emotional literacy, and financial literacy. And how can the Best Ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? LiteracyUp.com is a website that we launched to help close the word gap with childhood literacy. My company site, Real Estate Asset Partners, or www.reap.capital, R-E-A-P.C-A-P-I-T-A-L. And I'm online. You can easily find me. Great. And we will include that in the show notes. Yusuf, thank you for being on the show talking about the 172 unit you've got in Northwest Atlanta, the areas of focus and how you structured that. And then with that transaction, how you structured the exiting of one partner, more so so that as best ever listeners, we can know what to do if we are in a partnership and things need to go a different direction, how to do it fairly so that everyone is more or less happy with the outcome, as well as talking about different lessons you've learned from the other projects that you worked on. So thank you for being on the show Hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Joe. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com.